Welcome to episode 15 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Today's guest has experience in the world of fair housing and affordable housing. At the time of this recording, she had been working for the city of Boston since 2004 with ever-increasing responsibilities. Her goal was to expand choice in housing for Boston residents. In early 2016, building on that experience in her previous roles in partnership management, marketing, promotions, and conference planning, she took on a business development role at Sumu, an innovative startup working on a housing search app. Taking this leap has also allowed her to pursue her interests in writing and film and video production. She is a board member of Women in Film and Video New England and freelances as a production coordinator and producer for creative and commercial film and video production, including with Good Nature Dog Productions. Since 2007, she has served as a founding board member and administrator for the Shirley Jackson Awards, which recognizes outstanding achievement in the literature of psychological suspense, horror, and the dark fantastic. Please join me in welcoming Joanne Cox. Joanne, thank you so much for speaking with me from your office in Boston. I, I want to jump right in. I know that my audience is going to be curious to hear a little bit more about you and your day-to-day, but this is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So, so tell me, what does leadership mean to you, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? That's a great question, and it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And one of the things that um, came clear to me was that leadership, like other skills that you have, you can you can improve them over time, or you may have leadership skills and not be aware of it. So when I was thinking about, you know, when I realized I first maybe had the skills to lead, you know, I thought back to, you know, even as far back as in high school when I'm I'm thinking about students that I helped to tutor. You know, so you're presented with a challenge or an opportunity and you feel like you can make a difference. So even as far back as high school, I think you can, or even further back than that, you can have a leadership position or a leadership role that matches your level of experience and knowledge at that time, and then you can work from there and you can continue to build, um, you know, your knowledge in it and your techniques and maybe those tools that you have, um, the style that you have and become more comfortable with it. So when I think about today, what does leadership mean to me? And how I explain leadership to other people, I think that there's a number of different ways that someone can be a leader, but the type of leaders that I like the best or would like to emulate the most, um, I think of those people who are mentors, who are guides, and who can provide vision, um, and then also sort of keep, keep everybody on course. I love this piece about uh, leaders as, as mentors and guides, and that your early your early example of this is a tutor, which is an example of, of being a mentor or a guide, um, a, peer, a peer one even, but to have somebody who kind of knows a little bit further 
along that particular route or, or journey, um, what's coming up or has a little more experience in that arena and is willing to share it and support the other folks in their team. And then you bring it to today where that's really embodying that helps bring everyone together. Um, so they all know their piece and then you, you can get a much further distance when you're working together with that kind of leadership. I think that's exactly right. I think you saying that you can go much further, like the distance that you can cover, you know, that's when I think if you're building on the experience and the knowledge and the skills that you have, and then I think there also has to be a desire to learn and to listen. And that was, that's what I think will help carry you even further. So, so leadership is a, I guess like a lived experience, not a destination, right? You, you can't be done because yeah. you're always you having to learn something new. Keep, mm-hmm. keep going. Keep abreast of all the changes, particularly these days. I mean, like technology changing and basic assumptions of how we all should work has, sh- has been changing um, just in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. I feel like there's been a real revolution in the world of business and it's trickled down into like all areas of life. So do you think that there's changes in what we need as leaders between now and when you first got started? Or do you think those, like there's something that's still the same, that's a certain way leadership needs to be? Well, I think um, that's a good question. I think you can have innate leadership style, but over time I think you need to expand how you you know, work with others and how you, you know, sort of help them come to your vision. And those are the tools that you learn along the way. So technology would be one of those tools. Um, So you can learn technology, but it's not necessarily required to have the leadership skill or to bring people along. So um, I think that that would be part of it. So it's not that you necessarily like, I need to know every single new piece of software that came out there, but I do need to make sure that my team includes someone who can manage a particular type of software if that's what's needed for what I need to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. It's also being really adaptive too, I guess, to the environment and to the, to the needs of the moment. Um, leadership. Yeah. I could see it really, there's certain sort of openness to learning. I like that you said that earlier because that seems that if you have that openness to learning and a willingness to share your expertise, well, that if you continue to learn and you continue to share, you're you're going to, by example, help other people sort of move forward and um, work together as a team and achieve something. Right. And I think this is where it's over time that I've learned that one of the best ways a leader learns is by listening. I've heard that, you know, especially recently, I've heard it time and again. Um, It's something that I, you know, I felt that I practiced before, but maybe not as well as I could. And it's something I'm really trying to focus on with myself. And I think as a leader, you need to identify constantly your strengths and your weaknesses and um, how you can, like I said, help bring people together. And one of the ways that you do that is, is listening and having, you know, whether it's compassion, depending on the audience you're working with or empathy, and then sort of saying, what are those concerns? How can I, how can I make an impact? What can I do with my leadership, with my skills, even if I don't feel I'm a leader, but what skills do I have 
that can make an impact or a change or, you know, resolve an issue. And that's when I think you realize that you're taking leadership role. So, Joanne, um, thinking about the work you, you're doing today, I mean, you've been at mm-hmm. this for a while working in housing with, for the city of, of Boston. What do you find most rewarding of, about the work that you're doing right now? What I find most rewarding is, uh, to paraphrase someone else who uses phrases, it's a chance to serve the public every day. So if you come into the city of Boston and working for the city of Boston every day, if you think of it as this is my opportunity to help someone who needed the help, who came for help, but then also to help those that don't know that there are resources out there, then you will continue actually to challenge yourself to make it uh, a better Boston, but also just by helping this one person, you've helped yourself, you've potentially helped others, you've helped families, uh, you've helped neighborhoods, um, you've helped the whole community. So what I find rewarding in my work is taking maybe someone's individual experience and then say, if this is their experience, if others are experiencing this too, what else can I do that would have an impact on a larger group of people. Wow, so that's that's a sign of leadership, not just saying, okay, you know, something's broken, here's the Band-Aid, but really stepping back and seeing the system and saying, hmm, I've heard the same concern from a few people. How do we, how do we shift something so that that's no longer an issue? Like that um, stepping up and then having that have a much larger impact, I would imagine, on, as you said, whole neighborhoods and communities. Well, I think, well, in the world of housing, right, if you don't have housing, then there's a lot of other things that you're probably not getting access to. So, you know, if you have housing, you can now establish roots in a community, right? Or you can be part of a neighborhood, or maybe you're sending children to to school and you can feel stable for the first time if this is somebody who didn't have housing before. So I really see this as um, your housing, you know, people think of that as an integral part of who they are. So having that impact on that one person, you don't know what they're now going to bring back to now their community. Yeah, because they have that stability. So yeah. that's the rewarding part of the work. What's the challenging part of the work? And, and what have you been able to do to really overcome those challenges? I think the the challenge in my work, especially today, is one is, like you said, there's technology. So constituents and residents and persons who would like to live in Boston or currently live in Boston, the way they're getting access to, to information is through many different areas of, uh, many different ways. So whether it's the internet or coming in person or using the phone or using Twitter or any of the number of other you know, ways that you would interact with the city, you have to have a handle on that and a way to be able to provide the information to to the person where they are. So that means you have to be comfortable in providing information in a way that's clear and a way that people can use that information. That's usually part of the challenge in housing in particular. When you have a complex issue, how do you break that issue down so that someone can understand and digest it and then use that information to do something, whether it's a housing search or go find other resources. And that usually is the challenge, and it's even particularly more challenging when um, you're working with households who don't have access to a computer. So I can't just send them a long email. Or 
English is not their first language, and so I have to make sure that the information is communicated to them in a language they can understand. Um, that those are those are, those are the next part. Yeah, of the I challenge. mean, it sounds like part of the complexity and the challenges of your position is that you're working with the most diverse constituency group possible. I mean, a lot of organizations talk about the challenges of working with diverse populations, but if you're the city of Boston, you by definition, are working with everybody. And you're working with people who are facing very difficult and um, possibly traumatic moments of their life where they're finding themselves faced with a a housing crisis. And so you're trying to get them accurate, uh, quick information. But yeah, through technology and language barriers, um, having to kind of be nimble and accurate at the same time, I can see that being... um, both exciting when you feel like you've done it really well and challenging when you're like, okay, how can we do this even better? Right. And, and that's, and that's the challenge for me every day. And I know other people in the city of Boston feel the same way is it's not enough what we do today. It's what are we going to do tomorrow? What, what can we do better tomorrow? A common struggle for anyone striving for success is the fear of being wrong, of, of making mistakes, failing, could you tell us something about that something you're not good at and and how you deal with that? You kind of alluded to this earlier. You're talking about learning to listen a little bit more, but I think I think you're getting to the question of how do you examine your own performance so that you can figure out ways in which you can be better, which sometimes is a very difficult thing to do. You have to have the ability to recognize what you do do well and then have the ability to step outside yourself to say, you know, I'm not so good at that. And then take that next step of saying, if I'm not so good at that, what what steps can I take to be better? And this Do you is have an where, example of something like that? Yeah. You? Yeah. So I was just, just trying to think of one. So I guess, you know, I... Um, you know, I'm embarking on doing uh, larger projects, ones that require uh, much more detailed project management skills, which I feel like I have some, but I'm recognizing that there's a whole world of information and technology and tools that are available that I didn't know existed before. So part of the challenge is um, I think having someone that can work with you when you've identified a weakness that you have, or I wouldn't say it's a failing or even a weakness. It's just sort of maybe it's a a gap or a hole in your toolbox that you now need to fill up. And then the next step is to be willing to go out and get that information or get that experience or get that training however you can. And then um, this is a part of the team, right? So how do you have your team support you when you don't have that knowledge base, whether it's your supervisor or the staff that you work with, making them, you know, helping them to understand that this is information that you need in order to be successful, because if you're successful, your team will also be successful. That's great. Um, That's, that's, I think is actually sort of the next part of the challenge for me is, you know, I have to improve certain areas of my knowledge base, but then when I do it, how do I bring that back? It's not something that should just be in my head. Right. Especially when it's a new technology like that, that you feel like you could really benefit an entire office or, or a team 
um, as you sort of learn it. Um, I just thought of, I don't know why, this is like a really simple example of a tool that my boss went to this great training and came back with years ago. And I now think of it as just, I don't even realize that, like, I just recently thought about when I learned it. But to me, it's just part of my everyday now. It's called POP. It's Purpose, Objective, Process. So before you start anything or any meeting, you always want to sit down and figure out the POP. And we were talking about this the other day with some colleagues of mine, and they were like, that's amazing. That's so useful. I thought, wow, you know, it's true. I have been using this for like a decade. <laughs> and it's one of those simple, you know, pieces of knowledge that does so help you with frameworks. So sometimes technology, it's it's more complex, and it's learning new systems and new technology and like a, a you know, some sort of application on a computer. And other times, it's just um, a framework that... You're like, I need to share this because the more people who use it, the better we're going to be as we walk into these meetings or start new projects. Right. Well, so that's I'll, your freebie today, everyone. Pop. I'm gonna, <laughs> and I'm gonna go look it up for as soon as I get off the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really great. Um, <laughs> I'll include a link um, to the folks who who actually uh, created it, uh, just to give them some credit in the show notes. But you know. Um, Gosh, we've been talking so much about the work you're doing, but life is more than just the work you're doing. It's um, it's the life you have outside of work, but it takes a lot of time and dedication to be successful on the job, and that usually has some sort of impact on life outside of work. So with all of that in mind, what does self-care look like for you? That is also a great question, and I think it's one of the things that um, I forget to do the most until someone reminds me. Um, so I do have activities outside of the office that I'm very passionate about, one of which is uh, my involvement in the Shirley Jackson Awards, which is um, you know, relating to literature of the dark fantastic. And that whole area of um, literature is something that really interests me. So you know, having a book, you know, meeting with friends who, you know, write in this discipline, um, that, that is a way for me to be someplace else, um, and to a certain extent, be someone else, um, and, you know, in, have some enjoyment. I think the other thing that I have to be better about is, you know, making sure that, uh, I turn off my devices. So I'll, I'll start with that. I do turn off my devices, but being present in the moment and mindfulness is something that I've also um, been working really hard at for the last couple of years in particular, how to sort of, you know, forget turning off the devices, how to turn off my brain, um, which is really difficult to do. Um, so that's one of the areas that if I can turn off my brain for a little while, you know, that in and of itself is enough to, you know, allow me to relax and, you know, energize myself, sort of, you know, my battery as it were. Yeah. I, um, I, I never was much of a walker and I recently got on this kick of walking and I recently then read a quote that says, I can, and I, I need to be better at remembering that where I get these resources, I'll look for it <laughs> and try to credit it in the notes. But someone said every day, go for a 35 minute walk. And I realized that I had done that several days in a row without knowing that quote. Um, but I was doing it without listening to anything, just walking, just, you know, walking a few miles, um, to an appointment and 
it's so different uh, to have that time in your head. I think we really are missing that. We're we're moving at such a fast pace, but to have that time to sort of like reflect and just be aware and it's not even meditative really because you're you're still very alert to the you know world around you as you're walking through the city but um I, how does this balance uh fit in i know you have a family so how does that factor in is that why you've been more aware of turning off your screens the last few years well i've always i mean with the advent of you know the smartphones or whatever i mean we've always kept those you know away from the kitchen table and we try to keep them i try to keep them at bay um, a lot at home because I know that 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 I have a very short window of time to spend with my family during waking hours, I guess. So to really say that this is a time I'm going to set aside for that, and um, that that really re-energizes me too because it's something that that I enjoy. And to get back to our idea of like mentorship and guidance, and you know, there's a lot you can learn from your family members and from your children just being present with them. And I find it very rewarding um, watching my child grow and learning what he's learning, you know, for the first time or whatever. So having that that moment in time every day is very valuable. So I put a value on it. Oh, that's great. I think that's the only way to make those kinds of practices stick is is to put that value on it. Um, to treat it with care and to carve out that time like you would for a client or for a boss to really set aside, you know, the, the time you want for whatever, whatever you think of as quality time, whether it's with your family or with yourself, um, you know, going for that long walk, that kind of thing. I think I'm, uh, as you know, um, by the time this podcast goes live, um, my son will be a few months old. Um, so I'm going to be very new in this whole parenting thing and thinking about how I uh, balance um, parenthood with building my business and all the things associated with it. But um, I'm, it's exciting. It's an awesome challenge. <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, if you were to ask me what's, you know, my biggest challenge, you know, my biggest challenge is what I go home to every day is how do I, you know, I am constantly trying to, you know, be present with my family, but also think about, you know, what's what's next and how can I how can I be supportive of my family so it's not just being supportive of your office environment or your friends or like I said my other colleagues and you know for the Shirley Jackson Awards but how can I be supportive of my family and that that actually does take a lot of um, mental time too so you know but it, it is rewarding and that's why you continue to do it. Joanne you and I actually met through Lead Boston and um, my my listeners are probably familiar now. Lead Boston being a senior executive uh, leadership program that the city of Boston um, uh, has part of. It's it's actually through the YW Boston um, these last few years, but it's almost 25 years that it's been running. And what a powerful opportunity to meet people from many different sectors, public, private, um, business, nonprofit, higher ed, et cetera. And so what was that experience like since you, you know, you're so steeped in the world of, I guess, city governments, and now suddenly you have an expanded network. How, how has that network been uh, for you? And, and where do you see the potential of having that new found connections? I enjoyed Lead Boston immensely. It's probably one of the best things I've done in the last five years, 10 years, maybe more. I don't know. Um, professionally. Um, 
it goes back, I think, to, to listening and recognizing what, where you have those gaps. One of the things I think Lee Boston did for me was um, help me take that step back, uh, help me to listen to other points of view or just other sectors. You know, you get so immersed in what you're doing and what the goals of your organization are or what, um, what it is that you're working on every day to have the opportunity to sort of step back and think more broadly and have the opportunity to work with other people who are working towards a common purpose of just how can we look at things more broadly? It's, it's tremendous. It's, you know, it, it actually is to a certain extent, it was a challenging program, but it actually sort of ties into this idea of self-care because I think it helped me to sort of focus a little bit more about myself and about the world around me as opposed to just, you know, what to do tomorrow at five o'clock. Um, so in terms of expanding my professional network, everybody is impacted by housing. And that's something that I think came up over the course of the year. So how, how, how other people view housing, especially when they don't realize how complicated it is or just, um, how, what housing means to them informs how I can do my work. So that it, that was also just invaluable to me to what I have to bring back to the office every day. That's great. Yeah, it's been really um, wonderful for me, and I'm appreciating that this particular project of launching this podcast gave me a really good reason to reach out to not just my my sort of fellow classmates for 2015, but I've been sort of reaching back through the history um, of the organization and, and talking to alumni for many different years. Um, it's fascinating and a, and a great reason to kind of touch base with people with this sh- shared experience of going through such a transformative experience like Lead Boston. People have been really receptive. I think that um, that's one thing to keep in mind as you move forward is that anytime you meet someone and you find out they're from Lead Boston, it's sort of like, oh, like kindred spirit. We can do this together. Let's work. That's pretty right. neat. Right. And- and I think that's true for almost any one of your networks. One of the other things that I think about is there, there are so many people out there that want to help you, but you have to be able to tell them how they can help you. You have to know either how to ask or just how to you know, speak confidently about what it is that you do and the information that you're looking for, because you're not always going to know what you don't know, obviously. Um, but if you can say like, here's sort of what I'm thinking, or here's what I'm, you know, what I would like to do, there will be people who in your network and even beyond that will be willing to sort of help you on your journey, whether it's personal or professional, as long as you can get over that hurdle, maybe of, you know, sort of volunteering that ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get, it's like the number one, number right. one truth. So if um if we were uh had a chance somehow for you to go back in time and talk to your younger self when you're you know 25 years uh, old um you know sometime after college settling into your first uh jobs in your career is there something in particular one thing in particular that you'd encourage yourself to do to build a strong and supportive professional network Yes I would um a lot of the work that I did sort of those first couple years out of college was for a trade association. And so I saw myself as being a resource for other people. 
Um, and I didn't really take advantage of that resource for myself. Um, so this idea of trying to encourage those relationships and then um, you should value some of them and sort of say, well, maybe if I'm having difficulty figuring out what my next step is or what I would like to do this is me personally, right, or professionally in my career, or um, I just have a question to take advantage of those people that I have met because I knew they would be willing to help me. I just never, I never knew how to ask or never thought it was appropriate to ask or maybe just felt like I couldn't ask. And yet here you are years later, if anyone yeah. were to call you up with a question or want to do an informational interview or, you know, reach out, then you'd of course help back. Of course. And I think we have to remember that everybody who's further along their career path than us got help along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we, we, uh, we can reach out and most people will be open to doing that. That's great. Uh, that's exact. That's a great summary. Yeah. Hey, so if we were to to catch up again a year from now and we were talking about what a great year you have had, what accomplishments would we be celebrating? Um, I wish you'd asked me this 11 months ago because I would have said I would have completed Lead Boston. Um, so looking to next, <laughs> that would have been an easy answer. Um, I think looking to the end of next year, um, the next 12 months, I guess, I guess there's, you know, personal goals and there's professional goals, right? So, um, outside of work, I'm active in my child's school. So to make sure that, you know, I'm supporting the school any way that I can and that, you know, we've made strides, I guess, over the course of the year, that would be a goal there. Um, the Shirley Jackson Awards, you know, to continue to expand um, the, the goals and the mission of the, the awards, um, that would that's, that, that will never be attained. So my goal is just keep uh, bettering myself at that and continue that work. Um, for uh, professional goals, I guess I would say to continue to provide opportunities for people where I can. So, and by that, I mean, not just the information, the resources that the the office has for households um, that are looking for housing or have questions about housing, that sort of thing, but to really use my role as a leader to mentor students, um, to mentor staff, to um, provide mentorship for other city staff who may not have been here as long as I have to sort of share that information that's in my head. That, that to me would be a tremendous achievement. That's great. Well, we will, I'm sure talk before the year is up, but um, I'm looking forward to having that reflection point with you a year from now. And I'm going to include in the show notes, your LinkedIn page. So people can, can look for you there and see what else you've been involved in. Uh, and reach out. I'll include a link to the Shirley Jackson Awards um, and just make sure that people know like how to kind of check out the stuff that you've been working on. Thank you so much for joining me today and, and chatting about the, the life of building a professional network and what it takes to achieve success as a leader. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joanne Cox such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. One thing that stood out for me 
was the emphasis she placed on being present in the moment and mindfulness. She's learned that to do this, she needs to take time to unplug and turn off her brain. While she finds this challenging, she places a high value on self-care, which includes quality time with her family, so the effort is worth it. Another takeaway was the importance of asking for help. There are many people in your network who would be willing to support you if only you asked, especially if they have a common experience such as being a former coworker or fellow alum. This week, I challenge you to ask three people for help with a project you are working on. I'll give you a moment to think about who are your three people. Okay, now that you've got those juices flowing, be sure to actually do this. Seriously, do this and you'll be amazed at the results. Share your experiences in the show notes for episode 15 at ontheschmooze.com. To help you keep track of the people you're most likely to reach out to with questions, you may want to invest in a CRM. This helps you keep track of who you've been in touch with recently and which contacts are fading. I manage my most significant relationships and the ones I hope will become significant using Contactually, a robust CRM perfect for managing my professional network. As an affiliate for Contactually, they're offering my listeners a free 30-day trial. Let me know if you sign up for the free trial and I'll help you get set up for success. Visit Contactually.com slash invite slash schmooze for more details. That's Contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. For your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 15. Well, we've done it again. We've reached the end of another episode. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze. I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating review on iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating review on iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. That's schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be sharing ways to make networking less scary. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On The Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.